Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts here, uh, Will Harley, and I have a special guest with me today. Uh, the guest that I have with me is uh, Dave Rudot, pastor at Emmanuel and Shirley, and pastor also at St. Paul's in Greenleaf. St. Paul's in Greenleaf. And he is has uh, decided to come and join us on our shenanigans that we call a podcast show for our, our listeners and for our members who, who like to participate. And so hopefully uh, we are going to find that, that his insights is going to be far better than, than myself and probably far better than, than Don Winsberger, who has been on the show before. Uh, we are a more emotionally charged people, and, and Dave is the even keel that, that we look to for stability. And so um, we're glad to have him on the show. We're glad that he's, he's here to, to join with us. As we talk today, um, we are going to be talking and focusing our attention sort of going backwards uh, and looking back at 2020. And um, what we want to pursue kind of is the idea of, of did we grow? Uh, have we failed? And, and then ultimately, um, we want to focus on, on how we prevailed um, during this entire 2020 debacle. Um, and you could list tons and tons of things that, that were 2020. And, and I, probably before we get into the show, I'll just, I'll just want to add this little extra comment. And I'm going to steal it from a good pastor friend of mine, uh, Joel Clunder. Um, we are now uh, well into to, uh, 15 days of, of 2021. And um, I, I think I want to return my free trial. Um, I, I think I'm done. I, I, I think uh, 2021 is, is just a repeat of 2020. And uh, version two isn't any better. So uh, before we jump on in and, and maybe get a little bit of introduction from, from Dave and get to know him a little bit better, um, let's have our, our transition music and, uh, oh, probably we should have our, our disclaimer. Uh, the things that we're doing today are just our ramblings and our opinions. They're not the, the actual um, opinions and, and the stance, doctrinal stance of the churches that have called us or the Wisconsin Evangelical Synod of which we are a part. Uh, we do try to stick to the scriptures. We will be holding to the confessions. We will be holding to to our principles as as pastors in those synods. But again, these are just our thoughts. So if you get offended, if you don't like what we have to say, put on your big boy pants or big girl pants, whichever one. I, I don't care. And uh, turn us off. And if you'd like to have a conversation, we are more than happy to sit down and talk with you. So without any further ado, unless you have something to add... Um, just, um, it's a pleasure to be here. It was good to serve with you. I, when I, I was your nearest neighbor in South Dakota, I served at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Pierce, South Dakota for six years. And so I met Will and, uh, Don Winsberger. Is that how you say his last name? Winsberger. Winsberger. Uh, we had Winter Winkle Conference in Pierre and the, the guys from South Dakota and Nebraska came up, um, the Rosebud Conference came up and, and joined us for that. And it was really, I really appreciated, uh, hearing from the brothers from the, from the Dakotas, but weren't in the Dakota, Montana uh, district. All right. Well, here we go. Let's get on into our, our main topic. All right. Well, we have our short intro, and we are back. Uh, today's topic is brought to you by Sand. It's everywhere. Get over it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just had a flashback to one of the Aladdin movies. <laughs> as, we, as we gather today, uh, we do want to... <laughs> 
we do want to talk about 2020. Um, we are in January of 2021, and and I don't think you can appropriately leave the the 2020 year without having a, a good reflection as to to what happened. Uh, many of us maybe gathered around for a New Year's Eve service and 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 had an awesome opportunity either on on uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day to to reflect on. Christ leading us into this new year. Um, but I, I wonder if how many of us maybe forgot how Christ was was with us even in in, in the year that it just closed. Um, I, I know sometimes maybe we forgot his presence. Sometimes maybe we got lost uh, with everything else. But um, now is a good time for us to reflect on that. So um, what I'm going to do is, because I could give all the introductions I want in the world, um, but but really to get to know somebody um, and, and maybe to sort of put ourselves in his shoes, I'm going to hand uh, the microphone, preferably your microphone, over to, to Dave and, and kind of let him give us some personal thoughts on, on his 2020 version. And, and, and if he has questions in the comments, you know me, I will interrupt. Um, and so uh, I'll take it away, Dave. Thank you. Uh, really, things started to crystallize for me back in spring of 2020 uh, when the quarantine was new and uh, everything was fresh. Everything was, we were readjusting. Life used to be busy and going all over the place. And now all of a sudden it just stopped and we had to switch gears. We had to relearn how we were doing things. We had to approach our lives so differently. Uh, and for our family, personally, it meant all our kids were home throughout the whole day. Uh, we were, all their schools were online. And so I was still trying to work in some capacity, but I was always checking in on the kids from time to time during the day. One of the systems that we put in place early on was we were going to, as a family, watch the Manitowoc Lutheran High School's uh, devotions that they, every day uh, with their online school, they would have a devotion together and our family would just sit around the, the, in the living room and watch it. Our kids, uh, the teens in, in high school, my wife when she was home from work, we would just, that was our time to sit around and watch uh, the devotion. And I remember I wrote this in my journal. There was one time where it really crystallized for me what was going on in my heart and uh, how Christ was still there. And that is, there was a devotion by President Norv Koch. He was doing it on 2 Corinthians 4 talking about what we are and what we are not, how we are perplexed, yet not despairing, persecuted, yet not forsaken, struck down, yet not destroyed. And uh, his song was, um, It Is Well With My Soul. He, sang, he played with his guitar and sang that. Now that was the devotion and that was the song, but what was happening in our living room was completely different. Uh, what was happening in our living room was that every five seconds the internet was cutting out. And uh, as a pastor and as a guy who's a tech guy, that just infuriated me that we couldn't listen to God's word because every five seconds it was stopping. And uh, it got to the point where he was playing and singing, It Is Well With My Soul. And my kids, whenever it would stop, they would just keep on singing. The words were right there on the screen, even though the screen was frozen. But so they just kept right on singing. And then when, he, when the internet would resume, then they would just rewind, mentally rewind, and just keep on singing. And uh, it just was... Uh, it was infuriating. I mean, just my, the level of my <laughs> my angst was growing and growing. And then finally, I was just going to mute the pian the the TV. I was just going to mute it, and we're just going to sing it as a family because at least that would calm me down. And uh, was reached for the remote, and the batteries weren't in the remote. And 
I said some things I am not proud of. And I don't remember exactly what I said. I just remember how I felt. I was reacting to the situation instead of responding as a parent. I was just reacting. Whatever I was feeling was, was coming out. And uh, later on that day, the kids and I were outside because vitamin D, you know, <laughs> get, get lots of vitamin D during the pandemic. They were outside and they were climbing in the trees and I was clearing brush because we built like a COVID uh, fort uh, in the woods. And I really wanted them to help me put this together because it was their fort, not mine. But at the same time, I realized that they didn't need to be with me at that particular moment. My soul was still pretty black. And uh, they were, and as they were climbing, as they were climbing in the trees, they were singing bits from It Is Well With My Soul. And as I was clearing off the, the brush, the thought that I had in my head was, it is not well with my soul. And, but on the same time, it is. You know, uh, the, the, what, I, what I wrote down in my uh, journal was, it is well with my soul because Christ lives in me. At the same time that I have emotions that I can't sort out nor process properly, Christ chose to live in my heart. It is well with my soul because Christ did for me what I could not do. He kept his trap shut when emotions raged within. It is well with my soul for he came to save me from my blackened soul. While it is true that this slow internet, despite my tech-savvy limits, controls, and patches, is going to seriously be a thorn in my side during this quarantine, it is also true that Jesus lives and lives in me. Well, first of all, I just have to say um, <clears throat> I am amazed that you keep a journal. Um, I tried keeping a journal, and I think I went like two days and decided I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm amazed. Um, I, I got I got frustrated with my own kids just in doing devotions, um, let alone sitting down and watching. A, we, we watched our, our services every day, and that was the most annoying to me because I was the one preaching, and, and I got tired of listening to my... I mean, now, uh, just backtracking just a little bit, pastors, um, one of the very first things that they ask us when we get into seminary is, do you like to hear your own voice? <laughs> and And if you say yes, you get on the fast track to being a pastor and if you say no they put you in a room and they they tell you to keep repeating words over and over until you are pleasantly surprised that that you like your own voice and then you're able to go on so i i of course said yes and and was on the fast track because i love to hear myself talk um but i found out that during this pandemic i really don't <laughs> And I, I found myself critiquing my own sermons <laughs> as I was listening to them. And, and so we would gather on the Sunday, and I said to myself, I said, I, I already heard this. I lived this this entire week as I put this together, and then I preached it horribly. <laughs> it was, that, was, that was not what I intended, or that was not what I wrote. And, and my wife's like, oh, I thought it was fine. And, and I'm like, no. No, it really wasn't. Um, and, and then the, the other annoying thing, and I, I, I resonate with the children, it wasn't our internet that went out, it was our children that went out. Our kids got into this habit of, oh, let's just lounge on the couch and, and let's not get dressed and you know, let's, let's bring our food in and watch church. And um, you know, afterwards they were listening, right? They heard, um, which by the grace of God, that I'm, I'm happy about that. But I got so upset that, that there's times where I just had to leave the room and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this um, because it was, getting, it was getting very upsetting. Um, but, but I think the, the, 
the benefit of of that lockdown is is what you're saying. You know, you you referenced back being well with my soul and how how I think I found during this pandemic, and and I think maybe you did too. We had packed so much stuff around us on on the to do list that we felt that if we didn't do those things and if it wasn't going the way that we had planned it, then it must not be going well at all. And 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 I think that is one of the major pandemic shutdown 2020 things that I learned was was that God's still working, in fact, working more so in the purview of people and in the purview of my own life than than what he did when I was busy all the time. Um, when I had this committee to do and that that meeting to get to and this Bible study to prepare for. And, <clears throat> you know, it, it's my verse was not uh, your verse, of course. My, my verse was was Jeremiah's call. <laughs> you know, I, I have plans for you. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, better have some plans. <laughs> the rest of my plans are gone. <laughs> yeah. We are our own worst critics. And the inner pastor that we're, we're striving to be is often not the pastor that we see when we watch the, the uh, videos, but it is Christ working through us, through our imperfections, through our mistakes, through our, well, I didn't mean it to say it that way. Christ still uses that. The Holy Spirit still uses that to create and strengthen faith. But yeah, I get it. Uh, even during the pandemic when, our, when everything, our schedules were uh, offset and we had to come up with new schedules, we still were like, well, let's take advantage of this opportunity and even then, when we were taking advantage of this opportunity, we still slid on things. Like, uh, for us, we were going to do, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was going to really teach my children how to pray. And we were doing different things. Here, you do this and do that. And this week just reminded me that I've been praying a lot in our family devotions. And all of that stuff that I tried in 2020, now I'm reverting back to this. And uh, it was a reminder to me this week that we are reconciled. We are people who are constantly making mistakes. We're trying to do what is right. We take three steps forward, but sometimes we're taking two steps or four steps back. But we still are living in a state of that Christ still one uh, died for us and took our sins away, that we are reconciled with him, that he still is pleased with us, not because God is still pleased with us, not because of our effort or the decisions that we make, but he is still pleased with us because of Christ. Yeah. And I think, and you know, 2020 on a personal level, I think brings that home um, just in the sense of we saw our inadequacies and our failures. And maybe many of the listeners are probably going to think, I don't know if I felt that. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's because I'm not trying to place a, a, a difference between our job is better than someone else's job. But I think our job is different because our job is very personal. Um, our job is not only personal for us. I mean, I don't know of any pastor who got to be a pastor because he hated being a pastor and was just there for job security. Um, I think they truly have a love for people. And we were caught in a predicament where we couldn't interact with our people. Um, and that became uh, that became a, f- a failure, I think, in most of our eyes. Um, where where we viewed ourselves as as failed our people because 
whether our people, and very graciously so, thought that we did a good job through the pandemic because we sent out emails or we sent out a, a letter once a month or, or you know, in our case, we transitioned fully over to, to online worship and we were still continued to have, have weekly worship and online Bible studies and, and things of that nature. Um, I'll be the first to say that, that I, I didn't get to reach out to all of the people I wanted to. I did not get... I, I and and deep down, I'll be honest, I feel cheated because I just got here last year <laughs> and and I didn't get a chance to even get into the homes of all of my members, and I probably never will <clears throat> because that time is over now, right? Yeah. You have a very small window of opportunity, and now I don't have that opportunity and, and i've I view that as a failure on my part going uh, coming out of twenty twenty that that I couldn't do those things, and now it's going to and, unless I put in extra extra work, which I still haven't thought out how to do that. Pick up where where I couldn't, yeah, and and re reform some of those things. So I mean, there's 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 the growth aspect, yes, of of I'm now focused more on the things that I should have been focused on to begin with: devotional life, uh, getting more reading done, you know, whatever. But but there's also that failure that I think we as pastors feel. That maybe some of our members don't, in the sense that our entire job is watching over our flock, and we were good, bad, or indifferent, prohibited from doing that in an, in in what we would feel as any useful way. Yeah, uh, back in 2011, when I moved to Redeemer Pier in South Dakota, anybody else remember what happened in 2011 in uh, in May or June? The Missouri River flooded over, and I was going to go and visit members. That that was what I was supposed to do that you get to a congregation, you're supposed to go out and visit your members. Well, there's no way I could have done that. Everyone was, uh, I couldn't even find them. They were living with friends. They were living with relatives because their houses were underwater. Um, it's still, I, I still look at back at my time there, just a, that idea of, I also just said, well, I can't do this anymore because now I'm plugged into all the ministries of the, of, the, of the congregation and I can't go and do what I normally would have done and go and visit. So I would encourage you, keep going and, and visit those members. I well, know it's sure. going to take more time. And, and I hope your members also are uh, understanding of the fact that, yeah, maybe they're, they're doing their get-to-know-Pastor-Harley visit, you know, three years into his ministry, but at least it's getting done. Well, I, and, and I think for my members, just because I think most people know who I am, um, most of them don't have to have that get-to-know-Pastor-Harley <laughs> visit. <laughs> it's pretty much, Pastor Harley is kind of the same no matter where you interact with him. <laughs> I think we know him pretty well. It's more of, can we get to know Pastor Harley's family? Because they've got to be better. <laughs> you know, I, I came from a congregation that, that was very forthright about it, and they said, Pastor, we like your wife better than you. <laughs> and I said, that's all right. I like my wife better than me. <laughs> so I, I, I think there is there is definitely a, a wonderful connection, though, that we have between um this this personal growth though that the time God gave us to unplug. I remember a meme that was shared over Facebook, and I know Facebook is is you know Facebook, Twitter, all those things are vilified now today. But there's still some good things that can come over them and and are pronounced over them. And I saw a meme that said, uh, um, you know, going into 2020, we prayed that the Lord would give us time to to get to to know Him better, and then it showed uh, on the bottom of it. It, it, it showed uh, a guy who had potato chips on his stomach 
and with a TV remote in his hand, and it said, "How's that working for you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's that's really a pointed a pointed thing, right? Um, that that we we prayed, Lord, uh, I, if I only had time, right? If I didn't have this and I didn't have that, and if the kids didn't have to go there, and if 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 we didn't have this appointment and we didn't have work and all these other things that we filled up and said are so important, if I if I only had, you know. All the time in the world, I would come and do this. So God gave us all the time in the world, and um, I, I still think we had some of those moments where we 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 maybe excelled in some, but failed in others to 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 be what we should have been. Um, let's switch the conversation just slightly because you know, going from where we are as as individuals now working out into to society itself. You know where where do you think? Um, where do you think we had some major failures societally and and maybe even growth opportunities societally and and then and then maybe let's let's kind of wrap up that whole idea of of society in in has our and with the ultimate question has has society prevailed because of 2020 that's a good question i would say that one of the things we learned in 2020 is our role with science and experts uh, we should pay attention to the experts. We should pay attention to scientists. Um, but we don't always follow them. Uh, science is good. Knowing about the created order and how our bodies react to things like viruses, that's a good thing. But it's being carried out by sinful human beings, by scientists, who may have their own agendas and things. But, however, their vocation is one of scientists, that this is their field, this is their sphere of influence. So we should be paying attention to what they have to say. But we also have to also stand up for our own vocation. So, for example, if an expert said to me, I always have to wear safety glasses when I'm working in my, my shop or in my garage uh, to protect my eyes. Yeah, that's, I should pay attention to that. But do I always wear safety glasses? No, because I make cost-benefit analysis. Well, I'm just working on this little thing and probably isn't the right thing to do, but it's, it's what we call, uh, as, as I am called as a, as a father working in his, in his shop, uh, I'm going to make those decisions. The same thing is true with washing our hands. Should we wash our hands for 30 seconds? Yes, we should wash our hands for 30 seconds with the scientists. Are, do we always do that in our vocation? Not always. We don't always follow the, the experts. So the idea is to respect the vocation of scientists and respect the, the experts, but also stand up for your own vocation. You're going to be making your own uh, decisions about what you should do for your family. Uh, for example, another example I was thinking of with our family, like if one of your kids is quarantined, then they have to be in their own little room and close the door, and uh, they're all cut off from the rest of society. For us and our family, when our kids were quarantined, we just could not do that uh, with our family and with the way that our, our ho house is set up. We just couldn't you know, sequester them away and not interact with them, and it wasn't necessarily always good for them emotionally for them to be sequestered. So we made decisions. We said, well, our whole family is going to be quarantined. If one person's quarantined, our whole family is going to be quarantined. Or uh, we're going to make sure we're a little bit more diligent when that per individual is quarantined. We'll wash our hands all the time. We'll make sure uh, things are sanitized and so on. But uh, if we're not quarantined, then we're not going to be as di di vigilant around the house uh, keeping things clean. But I, I, I want to just jump on in there because I, 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 I kind of like where you're going and, and what you're saying about, you know, we, we do want to respect the scientists. We do want to respect their what the effort is. That is their vocation. I don't know all the ins and outs of, of chemistry and all the ins and outs of biology and all of those 
things. But but I think what you're saying, and I like what you're saying, is is the sense that that science is cold and calculating. And I don't mean that in like they have cold hearts and that they are. I mean, this is not a frozen episode where <laughs> where the world has been cast into snow. Um, this is this is more of it. It is it is one of those fields, uh, vocational callings where where feelings, emotions, psychiatry, uh, philosophy don't necessarily play a part. Um, ethics doesn't really play a part in science. Um, we try to say it should, but it, it can't because science is you do this and this is the result. You do that. This is the result. Um, we test this and we see what happens. I mean, that's that's really the, the whole idea of science, right? So, it, so it's very cold in that regard. It's, it's void of the emotional attachment. It's void of um, the, the psychology of what's going to happen for the fallout. And, and I, think, I think what you've portrayed is something that we saw happening in all across the country and all across the world listen i mean i don't if i had a dollar for every time i heard listen to the science let's follow the scientists i would be a millionaire right now literally i mean for the many times it was played over and over on facebook or over and over on on public television and it's not a bad thing i I, okay that's not a bad thing but but i think what they were what the problem is is we were doing it to the exclusion of people and, and I think that's the biggest failure of how we approach this pandemic. Because all you heard was, you need to quarantine, you need to socially distant, you need to, you need to cut off, you need to... And, and <clears throat> I mean, just look at our, our shut-ins. They were left alone. People it, in the hospital. Yeah, people in the hospital, left alone. Um, talking to a screen instead of... Instead of talking to their loved ones um and i get it i I, I get it it's a disease i i know they want to reduce the spread i get it but is there i mean i i think that's the greatest failure of 2020 was was societally we cut everybody off and 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 it wasn't just if you were sick we cut everybody off um whether they were sick or not because you didn't know and so we created this this cold atmosphere in our society that said, "I can't interact with you, I can't, I, I you know, I, I, I can't approach you, I can't talk to you, um, um, I can yell at you because you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> I can make faces. At I you. can make faces at you without you knowing because <laughs> I'm wearing a mask. Um, you know, I got really good at, at hiding my emotions because, you know, your eyes are the windows to your soul and, and my soul is very dark to begin with. And so my eyes stay very, very non lifelike <laughs> and people, the pastor's mad. <laughs> well, how do you know? He's, I can't see his, his mouth, but his eyes, Woo! <laughs> but, but I mean, do, do, do you see what I'm saying though? I think we created this, this, um, we, we created this coldness because we followed those things as a society. And that, that is a huge failure on yeah. our part. And on the flip side, I think 2020, we would uh, you say society prevailed in that there is now a healthy skepticism for science or for the experts. I'm sorry, scientists and experts. I mean, they, science has to make mistakes in order for it to be science. It has to try things out and then say, well, that didn't work. Science has to experiment. It has to say, well, this country is going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to see which one works. It has to work. It has to, has to do that, and it has to fail in order for it to be science. 
Um, but so often before 2020, it was always as if science was this great authority that you can never argue with, you can never challenge that it's, if science says this, then it's true. Now uh, it's society and to, if it's a good thing that we would see the proper role, <coughs> excuse me, the proper role of science and that it is our tool, but not our king. And, but, uh, you know, and, and now we're going to use some big words, dear listener. Um, um, when it came to modernity and postmodernity, you know, <laughs> big words, <laughs> um, you know, the modern, the modern in, in culture, right? We had this time period of, of modernity, which was modern culture where, where science really had this escalating force and it, and it kind of overwhelmed spirituality, overwhelmed Christianity. Um, I'll just say spirituality, not necessarily Christianity. It just kind of overwhelmed and everyone was like, science will solve every problem. And I and I think we've we've shifted, you know, in my lifetime from probably maybe even a little bit before my lifetime from this modern idea of science is going to solve our problems to a postmodern floundering um, where we thought to ourselves, science isn't isn't where we thought it was going to be. And, And it hasn't reached the steps in which we thought it was. And we haven't been able to do what we thought it could do. And, and now they're questioning, and, and unfortunately, in that in that postmodern time frame, it, it, it people didn't refocus back on spirituality, on specifically the church. They they focused on empty spirituality of let's look into ourselves and find our hopes and dreams fulfilled in in the struggle of living. You know, life is is, is sort of. I'm reading a book um, right now on the road with Augustine, and, and the writer of that book uses Sisyphus as a, as an example. That Sisyphus, big word. yeah, Sisyphus is a is a Greek guy. Um, who <laughs> was punished by the gods and and in the Red Bull commercial he's only freed by drinking Red Bull and getting wings but before that happened he was condemned to to push his boulder up a up a hill and and right before he got to the top where happiness would reign um, the boulder would always fall back down and he would have to push it back up the next day over and over and over again and and in the book and I think this is where society has become in this postmodern idea society has become, this idea of I'm going to look into myself and find happiness in my struggle of pushing that rock continually up the hill and never getting to the top. And, and so we've switched our idea from, from um, a society with hopes and dreams, you know, in, in, in the, the more Christianized maybe world before modern times. It was the hopes and dreams of eternal life. We've then gone to, ah, science is going to make our hopes and dreams now. And then we got to this point where <laughs> nothing is good and we might as well just be happy with it could be worse, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I think that's where we're in this shift. And I think 2020 really brought that out, that science isn't answering our, our questions um, and and it's not doing what it should be doing, and and I think everyone was excited, I, and not to downplay the the vaccine, right. whatever the vaccine is the vaccine, but but I mean just look at some of those reactions. People were getting the vaccine and they were euphoric. I mean it was just like whoa, I got the vaccine, I'm cured, I can go back out to living, and then all of a sudden it was like right on the heels. But you still need to be socially distant, and you still need to wear your mask. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's a discussion of, of, of uh, whether this is a, a, a statement of power wearing masks or can we ever get to a, a society where we're not, where everybody has to wear masks or everyone not wear masks or can we get to a place where 
uh, we're okay with some people wearing masks and some people not. I spent some time over in Japan, and that was their culture you know, 20 years ago, where if you were not feeling the greatest or you had you know, symptoms that were questionable, but you, not enough for you to stay home, people wore masks out in public. Can we in America, as a society, can we ever get to that point where we would say, masks are a good thing to help, it, it's not necessarily going to prevent any, any, all of the virus, uh, getting the, the spread of the virus, but it can be enough of a barrier, a little bit of a barrier. Would, be, uh, would we as a society be okay with, yeah, the mask doesn't work 100% of the time, but if it works 5% of the time, doesn't, doesn't the cost-benefit analysis looking at that and saying, well, if it helps my neighbor, if it's 5%, would I not wear a mask? Uh, but that, that sort of thing. I think um, another way, so I like what you're saying about how science cannot provide the happiness that you're seeking, that people are looking for science for more than what science can offer. Science can help us uh, understand the world, but it can't give us joy and happiness. My wife and I, when we were talking about uh, 2020 together, the point that she brought up was is that happiness is not something uh, the government can provide either. Uh, she talked about how when we received our stimulus checks, it was nice and we understood that it was needed, for, especially for people who don't, aren't working or people who are, are struggling. Uh, but on the other hand, does it actually provide, does the government, can the government actually provide the happiness that you're looking for? And our, our conclusion was no, because that's not the government's role. The government's role is to be uh, the one, as you guys talked about in your previous podcast, is it's, the, it's, God's, it's the agent of God. Uh, it is to strike fear in the evildoer. It, it's, it's meant to bring order and peace to a society. That's its role. It's not there to uh, provide happiness. Even in our founding document, our founding, doc, uh, founding fathers said, you know, the pursuit of happiness. You know, the government isn't going to give us happiness, but going to let us be free to pursue that happiness. And I, <clears throat> yeah. And so I would say there is a, there is a major failure within our, our 2020 outlook where, where we turned to the things that were empty um, to try to find the fulfillment in <laughs> what we were lacking. That being said, I, I do believe that there was growth. And, and the growth that I saw in 2020 uh, societally was um, how you had made comment, you know, you went to Japan and Japan, they, they had this sense of if I'm not feeling well, I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to I'm going to take part in that to help protect the greater whole. And I, I think there was some growth in our in the majority of our country along those lines that that as the pandemic kind of progressed and as the stress is kind of elevated yes there were horrible things riots and, and things i'm not condoning any of that but but behind those things i think you started to see a realization of people saying i'm going to take every precaution i can but i'm going to get out there and i'm going to help someone else so you had churches who who put the masks on and they got out there and they wore the gloves and they put together VBS packages and had people drive up and they handed them out to the window as protected as they could. But that contact of saying, I'm going to protect you as best as I can, but I'm still going to reach out to you as well. Um, our congregation, uh, and, and I'm not just saying because we're so great. I mean, we are pretty great. I mean, it just... But and if you're looking for a congregation, I mean, any one of our Wells congregations are pretty awesome. You might want to come. Anyway, that was my plug. Um, 
But what we, we I mean, we had like uh, during the Halloween time, you know, um, Halloween's canceled. Every kids are like, yeah. oh, where am I going to get my candy? The dentists are all concerned because right. you know this is like their money money making cash cow. This is how the kids come in and we we make our dime because there's so much candy going around and so many cavities. So we, we wanted to do our part to help the dentists stay in business. And we wanted to do our part and help the, the kids, uh, you know, who are in quarantine to get more rowdy for their parents. So we wanted to do our part. And so we, we got our masks on and we got our gloves on. And we had a small group of people, <clears throat> you know, put candy into separate little baggies so that we could have social. And we even socially distanced the cars because, you know, you know we, we weren't sure. We're not scientists. We weren't positive if COVID could be transmitted by a car. And so we socially distanced our cars. And, and, and <laughs> uh, uh, I am, sarcasm I'm, is starting <laughs> my sarcasm is getting the best of me. But we, we reached out and, and we did something in... Over a hundred kids came and their parents came and it wasn't a gimmick and it wasn't here. We're selling you something. It was, we need to do something because people need this people as safely as you can following as many, like you said, is following as many things as we possibly can, but we need, we need to do this because this is community Right. And in 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 the pandemic, we lost community as a society. We lost that. And, and now we have to learn how to how to live with those possibilities of how do I protect someone else from me when I might not be feeling the best or I might not be whatever the case may be. How, how am I going to live for someone else, which is the fundamental truth of every christian doctrine right yeah <laughs> love your neighbor <laughs> yeah i that's a that's an excellent point we are uh, uh, one way that we prevail is we understood that we need community and i think in the church we i think that's your third part of your your outline for today we talked locked at luck looked at 2020 personally in society and now as a church i think that was one of the realizations that i uh, one of the insights that i came with, away with in 2020 is that the church can exist without a building, but only if the church is more than what you can consume. Uh, if the church is just for you sitting down and, and getting a, a sermon off of a screen, uh, that's not church. Church is more than that. Church is a community. And as pastors in the area, we were talking about this in study club, uh, just the, the struggle of pastors trying to look at our people, if they're worshiping with us online, how can we engage with them and make this a community? Uh, it, it, does exist. Church is a community. I, personally, we did not have uh, the online worship services. We, as our congregation, early on in the pandemic, we looked around at our own resources and we said we have a crappy internet, but we have two congregations within five to ten miles that are doing online worship, and they've got people, they've got the equipment. Why are we wasting resources in the kingdom of God? Why don't we just let uh, use those resources that are available? Because we're all in this together. This is a community. So we as a congregation said, we're going to, uh, if folks need to watch a, a service at home, we're going to point them to St. John Maribel or Zion and Morrison because uh, they're, they're, they're going to say the same things uh, I would say. Uh, they're going to give them Jesus. That's the important thing. But the realization that, and then we did that for several weeks, and then our council just said, you know, we need to, what what can we do? We're not going to do the online. What can we do? What What's a, a hole that's not being filled? And uh, and there were some members of my council who said, we watched the services online with our family, 
but they were kind of like what you were saying, Will, too, where kids were not paying attention, they were checking out, and it was difficult for them. What can we do? So we did a drive-in worship, and we started that out in, in May when we could still, at the time it was, you could bring cars in, and you had to have your windows closed the whole time, but you could congregate in a place. And so that's what we did the first Sunday. And we had people come in, and we communicated to them, you know, please roll your windows, keep your windows rolled up, and uh, we'll have this church in a parking lot. And it was all new and fresh. But wouldn't you know it, when people parked in, there was one person started rolling down their window, and they rolled down to the next one, and they started talking back and forth with one another because they hadn't seen each other for weeks. And in my head, I was like, wait, you know, it's, I should go run over there, tell them, close your windows, because I didn't, I, we, it was all uncertain territory of what would the government do? Would the police come? There were stories of police coming and disrupting even drive-in worship services. And just the fear in my head, but then in the, the realization came is, is that this is what church is about, is about community. It's about relationships. And even now, as we continue the drive-in worship services and people come and park, and there no longer is the, uh, the perception that we need to have the windows closed, uh, that uh, if the cars are spaced apart, that virus isn't going to transmit from car to car. That's exactly what happens, is that people roll their windows down, even today, even in 30-degree winter weather in Wisconsin, even when the snow has fallen down, they're rolling their windows down and talking with one another because that's what church is. And so pastors who are also thinking of their uh, churches online, their online presence, that's also something that they have to wrestle with, is that this, just having a sermon out there isn't enough to have church, quote-unquote, but community. How can we... Church is a community. That's what, um, that's what the writer to the Hebrews says. Let's not give up meeting together. And then he talks about encouraging one another because that's what he talks about a community. That's what, that's what church is for. Well, and I, and I think, <clears throat> you know, you're, you talk about community and, and, and I would just qualify maybe a little bit uh, of what you are, what you, your previous comment. You said the, the church is not just what we consume. Um, and, and I would just quali- quantify that by saying, Church is what we consume, because what are we given in church? We are given the Lord's Supper, right? We, we gather around the sacraments. And, and one of the things that I think I'm hearing you say, and this is wonderful, is that church isn't just one of the sacraments, one of the means of grace. It, it's, it's not just the word, although the word is powerful and effective, and it will perform everything that God promises. But that's not Church, church is gathering to welcome in that that child through the through the the, the waters of baptism as they're buried with Christ and raised to life, and we all say we're going to be here to watch over them, and we're all going to be here to to take on as our vocation as as surrogate parents to help lead this child in growing in faith. It is coming together and 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 receiving the sacrament, and and I I just love that we just had a lesson in that in catechism. You know, we're dealing with the sacrament. The sacrament is not just for you, although it is for you. Right. <laughs> it's not just for you because because what we do when we come together is we, we are coming together and, and, and God is coming, opening up heaven and he's He's giving us 100% of his son in, in simple means of, of bread and wine for you, for your forgiveness, but but the you is you all. <laughs> it's y'all, right? It's it's um, all y'all, really. It's everybody who who is receiving this and and is gathered next to you, and so that person next to you. This is community. Um, we are receiving the forgiveness of sins, and and we are receiving uh, the 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 promise that we are we are better than what we came 
because of Christ. And then we leave and together we live that, right? Um, and, and so, you know, you had, you had those worship services in the, in, in the parking lot and we tried to facilitate, I mean, we had online stuff, but we tried to facilitate um, other ways. I mean, we had drive up worship service and, and people were lining up and they were yelling from car to car. Um, Hi, right. you know, or, or they would pull off to the side after they received communion and they would get out of their cars and, oh, how are you doing? I mean, I'm like, I, I don't know if I should say anything or not, or, but, but, you know, they were, they were so thankful that we were offering communion because that was a, that's the lifeblood of the congregation. And, and there's a reason that the sacraments and, and the means of grace are the lifeblood. Um, and it's not just it's not just the word. If it was just the word, you know, our schools would just be standalone. Um, but it's not just the word. It is it is the sacraments, and they are the lifeblood because they they produce community. They they produce the togetherness that we have and that we share in the body of Christ. All right, I, I'll revise that. Instead of saying the church is more than what you consume, is fueled by right. what you consume. Yeah, yeah. and I would. I'm I, thinking I, out yeah. loud. That's all we do. <laughs> if you come on a Sunday, you get a whole 20-minute thinking out loud session. <laughs> but it's one of those it's it's one of those things though that that I think was was one of the major um growth sections in the church. Um because we've taken the church for granted. Um and, and we've taken the the, the, the community, the camaraderie, the togetherness that we have in church <clears throat> for um, for less than what it really was. We're like, oh, that's church. And and I've noticed now it's it's not, oh, that's church. It's, that's church, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we hadn't even thought about what does church mean for us. We're just something that we did, and now we realize, oh, this is what it means for me. It's more than just uh, what I'm consuming because what i consume the lord the, the god's word and the sacraments is the fuel for my activity my visiting with one another and supporting and encouraging one another yeah yeah and and i think that's that is definitely a way that the the, the church has grown right um um it from this 2020 now um we we talked a little bit about some of the failures right because we and maybe some of those failures were on a personal level of the pastor because we weren't able to do or we felt we weren't able to do or we just couldn't get our act together and get it done. Um, you know, uh, my, one of my favorite little memes that, that I reposted on Facebook was um, um, Baby Yoda and it said 2019 and it showed a picture of Baby Yoda. If you don't know who Baby Yoda is, get Disney Plus and, and you'll be able to find the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. Um but then, then under it says 2020, and it showed old Yoda right before he died from from Star Wars: Re- Return of the Jedi, and and I, I thought about that, and I'm like, you know, that's how I think pastors felt, right? We we felt worn and drained, and and the life was sucked out of us. Um, but I think as 2020 went on, um, I think the church prevailed. Yeah. Um, you know the the joy of I, I remember. Uh, here's a story. I remember we had we were just having online worship and we just had our staff here because the law prov- provided right. that we could have a, a, our staff here, and so we had our staff. Um, <clears throat> and and so we um, we came together and we said, uh, you know what, we're gonna have worship. And and I remember we were about three weeks in, and one of the members came up to me and and she helped with. Uh, putting together our announcements and things, and she says, "Pastor, I just, I, I need to come to church. Can, can I just sit in the back? I need to come to church." And 
that I, I think that was a prevailing moment where where you had people who recognized I just I need this and and it, you know and they didn't want to break any lo- rules and they didn't want to to make anybody angry they just realized this is a this is a point in my life that I need um, this is my contact um, and, and then from there you know once the once the whole mandate thing loosened up we were able to to welcome people back in and and there was a joy I mean it started slow you know but there was a joy in returning to worship and and a joy in returning to what was normal and 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 a joy in coming back to the liturgy and sharing in what what was comfortable um as we lifted our praises to god and i think the church prevailed in that i think um you know it, uh, another story <laughs> and then i'll i'll turn it over to you cuz you can you have better comments um my mom had said you know her her pastor after they were even able to open back up again, um, kept like this very limited church service. Like it was abridged. And she says, I, I, I just, I can't stand it. That, you know, you go in and it's like half hour. And it's like, let's rush through this. And it's like, we're already here. A half hour isn't going to be any different than an hour <laughs> at that point. And, and she's like, can't we just do a full church service she goes i know we can't pass the offering plate that's fine but she goes can't we just sing four hymns of praise can't we can't we have the liturgy can't we you know have all these things and i'm thinking to myself how awesome is that that we found a love again for the liturgy <laughs> you know you know christian love is hard because there are people that are going to be coming back coming back into our church services at different times and then people have different uh, consciences that are pricked in certain ways and they're saying because the science is there the the more you're with somebody the more the chances are of the the virus spreading and so for one church to say we're going to shorten our worship services and another church to say we're going to just keep going with the liturgy because the liturgy is so awesome it takes Christian love to say you're both right you're both right and you're both trying to serve the Lord and serve your neighbors, like your mom, uh, who, who longs for these things. Both of those congregations can be right. And how hard that is to, to stand there and say, you're both right, you're both showing love for your God and love for your neighbor. Um, Christian love is hard. It's hard not just from our own uh, perspective as we're trying to love other people. and sharing a story of when we did not have uh, online worship I said, well, what can I do? If I'm not preaching a sermon on Sunday, that's a lot of time during the week that, that, frees, that frees me up. What, what should I be doing? And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be reaching out to all my members and calling them. And every two weeks I would call them and just check in and see how they're doing. And at, it was hard for me to do that because, one, I'm not, I'm not sitting across from them, so I can't read how they're doing. Two, it is we're, we were going through some hard times together. And... There were some members I called who were just like, this is all a government conspiracy, and other members who were just like, why aren't people being more uh, cautious about their neighbor? There was just both sides of the spectrum, and you're saying, these are both people that Christ died for. These are both people who are loving uh, their Lord and loving their neighbor, too, because even the person who says this is a government conspiracy, if you want to put the best construction on it, they're still loving their neighbor. They don't want their neighbor to be uh, um, brainwashed or their neighbor to be oppressed or lied to or lied to yeah, yeah. so uh it christian love it is is hard and uh but on the other hand we could say yeah we failed um i'm sorry 
we could say we failed, but on the other hand, we could say Christ prevailed because then it, it illuminates just how much God loves us and how we oftentimes, we, we don't know what's right to do. We're, we're making mistakes along the way. We're, we're uh, making the wrong choices. We're going on what we, what we know, and then we have to correct ourselves, and it, we feel like we were a failure because, well, why did we know that in the first place? Uh, God still loves us. And he still sent his son to die for us. And he still forgives us of our sins. And he still wants us to be with him in heaven. And he still is going to come again. So this, it, if, if we prevail as a church, we realize that our heaven is not here. And uh, this life is going to be a, a, a hard life to live, loving our neighbor. But in heaven, loving our neighbor is going to be awesome. Loving our neighbor isn't going to be such a struggle. And I and 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 picking up on on those points of prevailing and loving our neighbor. I mean, just and and I, every church is different, of course. But you know, I can just give you from from St. John's perspective. Um, during the pandemic, we had we had um, four adults come in through through adult confirmation. Uh, we had eight baptisms. We had three weddings during the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, and now some people are going to be like, "Well, those baptisms would have been outside of the the pandemic. The weddings still would have happened, whether the pandemic was there or not. Um, those same people would have gone through Bible information class, whether the pandemic was there or not. That's not the point, right? They, they. I mean, the point is that they stuck it out, and and out of Christian love for for the children who were baptized, out of out of Christian love for wanting to be a part of the community. To which they had been attracted because of the gospel, um, and and because of the the care that they have found in in that life mate that God had given to them, in in as husband and wife, they said, even in this pandemic, we are going to celebrate. In this pandemic, we are we are still going to do the work of the church. Christ is still going to be pre- prevailing in our life. And that is an amazing thing. I mean, if you think about it, that's an amazing thing. Um, that 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 because it's so easy, it could have been. Let's just postpone this. Let's just push back. You know, we 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 don't have all the people that can come. You know, the story can go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Um, and 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 you know, this is this is this is God working in the church in His people through His people. Um, and the church still prevails. I mean, I don't know of any, maybe there is, but I, I don't know if there's any church that closed because of the pandemic. Um, we scrambled. We had to adjust. We found out that ministry can happen in, in outside of this building. But but I don't know if any church shut down. I, 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 think, I think really the churches were solidified um, and, and Christ was more present. Well, let's not confuse the visible church and the invisible church. The church, right. the invisible church, prevailed. The visible churches, maybe there were some some difficulties and struggles that now through the pandemic it just brought it to light. Why does this visible church exist here uh, if if it's can be fed a different way? So then, that's a good question to ask yourself. Why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, we don't have opportunities to do that. Oftentimes, our lives are so busy that we don't have time to sit back and think, what are we doing here? And, and is this church actually reaching out with the gospel, this visible church actually reaching out with the gospel, or is it just here because it's always been here for 100 years? So it's a, it's a good time for us to, to know that the 
like you said, the, the invisible church of God is going to prevail. Uh, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. It doesn't matter what's going to happen, pandemic, whatever, uh, whatever government's in power. The church of God will prevail because Christ is the head of that church, not because of you or I. Yeah, and, and I don't think I can say it any better of, of how how we will go forward in 2021. Um, I mean, 2020 offered a set of challenges that, that forced our congregations, forced our minds, forced our, our comfortable comfortability into new realms to think outside of the box. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this and I'm going to let you have the final comments for our show, Uh-oh. but, but here's what I want to say. The church was never meant to be in a box. God's people were never meant to live in a box. We were never meant to live life feeling normal and secure in doing the same thing over and over. God's people were meant to grow and expand and to to venture out and to uh, and to steal from our counterparts in in let the bird fly to live life free, right? Because of the gospel of Christ. We learned that, I think, a little bit in 2020. And I'm going to let you finish up with some lasting thoughts. Well, I would just piggyback and say the theme of your podcast is casting nets. And who's the one casting the nets? It's Christ casting the nets through us. Not just the pastors and not just our churches, but the people in those churches. As we reach out to others and say, what we have to offer you is more than just a custom or a tradition what we have to offer you is going to affect you personally. Uh, it's going to give you peace when your emotions are going all over the place. It's going to give you happiness when you're, when you're feeling empty inside. And it's going to give you a sense of community, a sense of belonging uh, when you are feeling so isolated. I don't think I could have said it any better. Um, dear listener, take this hope and comfort with you as you have a chance to, to again grow more, stretch out more, prevail more in Christ as you enter in 2021. And uh, I like to thank Dave. I think I'll have him back. He's he's a pretty good he's a pretty good guy to bounce stuff off of. Um, I think he was deathly afraid of, of this. Um, I don't know why he's not talking in front of anybody. Um, maybe because he's afraid of all the comments you're going to give me at church on on Sunday. I, I just won't share them unless they're good. So so good comments only, please. Um, and uh, um, we'll have him back on again. And God's richest blessings as you continue to live free in Christ, casting nets that. God has given you to to throw out into the world.